coming from the great state of Oklahoma. This is Raw Tools. Thank you so much for joining us, wherever you may be. You know, most podcasts don't make it past episode three. Only about 10% do. And 90% of those that do don't make it past episode 20. So we're almost there. We've got sports journalist Sierra Clark from Little Rock, Arkansas coming on. She'll be talking all things Razorback football and basketball. And we'll also have Michael Ritter from Bleacher Report coming on. He's a diehard St. Louis Cardinals fan. And he's going to walk us through the hiring of their new manager, Ali Marmol. But first, I want to talk about timing as it pertains to letting a coach or manager walk and firing them when there is time left in a certain season. Today, I'm going to focus on Ed Ogeron and the LSU Football Tigers. In relationships... When things get sour, take a turn for the worse, and reach their breaking point, you can do one of three things. You can go on as is and resent that person. You can collaborate, work together, and get better. Or you can move on immediately, find someone better. Let's put this in story form. I got a buddy up in Tulsa. About seven-ish months ago, he meets a lawyer. Uh, They start dating. He's really into her. Things kick off and they're going great. A few months in, they start to recognize through some differences of opinion and some conflict that uh, their lives are branching out in in two different directions. They come to resent each other, not really getting along. Gentlemen, in these situations, who is the smarter, more intuitive person most in touch with reality? Most of the time, it's the woman. We know this. Like 99% of the time. If you're part of the 1%, I don't want to hear it. So that's what she does. She breaks it off. Clean break. If you know that the person or the situation is not going to get better, why keep them around? And I think that's the case with LSU head coach Ed Ogeron. After watching the Tigers play against Ole Miss this past weekend, and with the knowledge that he's already been fired, effective at the end of this season, and I see them give up 31 unanswered points in a loss to Ole Miss, what is he doing there on the sideline? There is no added benefit. There's nothing that can be added in these final few games. In fact, you would argue that you would mitigate risk by making that guy pack his bags and walk and have someone fill in for the rest of the season. You see this all the time. Uh, UConn's head coach uh, up in Connecticut, I think Randy Edsall is his name. Huskies got up to a rough start. and I still don't know if they've won a game, but lost their first few games. And he said, oh, I know we're winless, but I'm going to resign at the end of the season. The administration comes and says, oh, no, you don't. You are gone. You walk right now. We're not going to string this out longer than it has to be. This shouldn't be a farewell tour. Texas Tech just canned their head coach, and they have a winning record this year. They're 5-3. and But they knew that the roads were diverging. They knew that it was inevitable, that it had to happen. That's what A.D. Kirby Hokecutt said. Red Raiders needed to go a different direction. So why keep that person around? And the lazy narrative, of course, is that other than 2019, Ed Ogeron's always been on the hot seat. And yes, he caught lightning in a bottle that season. Joe Burrow, 
great quarterback. Joe Brady, great passing game coordinator, both now in the NFL. The Tigers were not going back to a national championship under Ed Ogeron. But this firing is not entirely around wins and losses. It doesn't help. But if you took the win-loss record of Ogeron, you threw it out the window, there would still be enough concerning material to let go of Ogeron as an employee. I think the athletics director, Scott Woodward, probably should have pulled the trigger earlier, which makes the situation so confusing. You read some of the reports coming out of Baton Rouge, the loss of trust, and the broken relationships between Ed, his players, and his staff. And you know they can do so much better in Baton Rouge. They've done it before. You hear some of the -the off-the-field escapades that Ogeron has done the past year and a half. It's just downright creepy. Tigers won the national championship 2019, and it was a never-ending party since then. And you think about what Ogeron is going through. He's a university employee. He's a public-facing figure. He's a defendant in a Title IX lawsuit. He's lost the locker room. The culture is bad, getting worse. It's better just to pay the guy $17 million and tell him to go away. That's what's going to happen. There is one win left on the schedule for LSU. Maybe they win a conference game, but it doesn't look likely. The best thing to do is a clean break. Move on, chalk up this season as a loss, and figure out what the next step is. People are going to be lining up for this job. It's a top 10 job in college football. The last three coaches have won national titles there. Just mitigate the damage right now and move on. Now I realize there's no one on that LSU staff that has significant head coaching NCAA experience. So no one can fill in on that sideline. LSU really backed themselves into a corner here. Congratulations, you played yourself. I think we can do better than that. For this next topic, I wanted to do a monologue myself, but then I thought, why not bring in someone who could break it down like a real fan, like a real brother, like a real friend would? And that is who my next guest is. He's a content programmer for Bleacher Report. He's on their social media channels. He's involved in BR betting. He's also a native of historic Washington, Missouri, just outside St. Louis. It's my friend, Michael Ritter. Michael, welcome to Raw Tools. How are you? I'm good. I got a, a corn cob pipe right here. Washington, Missouri, corn cob pipe, fat, uh, capital of the world. So I always keep one of those there right there with me. So we always know where I'm from. <laughs> I'm doing well, Luke. How are you? The fascination has, is just beginning right now. <laughs> You're involved in sports betting. Uh, you create content for that. Who's your pick for the World Series and why? So I'm a little biased because, as you mentioned, I'm working for BR Betting, and we are actually pretty tight with Mattress Mac. For anyone that's listening, Mattress Mac has about – he could win $35 million if the Houston Astros win the World Series. So I am rooting for the Astros only because I want to see Mac happy because he has been awesome to me. I got to go to the Kentucky Derby with him this past spring. I'm actually – waking up for a flight tomorrow morning to head down to Houston to go watch game one with him and potentially game two. So yeah, I'm pulling for the Astros. I do think the Astros will win, but I've been counting out the Braves all, all postseason long. I've bet against them multiple times and they've proven me wrong. So who knows? I think it's going to be a really fun fall classic. 
And that's been a common thread this postseason. You have gone down to the games in Houston. Is that correct? Yes, we went to game one of the ALCS. That would have been the game where Altuve hit the game-tying home run and Correa hit the go-ahead in the eighth. Um, So, yes, I have got to go down to Houston. That was my first time down to that stadium. Really cool stadium. Um, One that I'm sure you as a video game player back in the day, MLB The Show, when you get to choose your stadium, you always want to play at the weirdest park. And for us, Minute Maid was the weirdest park for a long time. So, yeah, it's, it's definitely a cool spot. The history of Minute Maid Park has just been bonkers, from it being called Enron Field to having Towels Hill and the the flag pull out in center field, which is no longer there, uh, and the Crawford boxes. I have not been. I've been thinking about going. I This series probably won't happen, but uh, I've got friends down in Houston, and eventually when I go there, I want to sit in the Crawford boxes because, like you said, there's just it, – it seems so cool. I love that. The Cardinals, your St. Louis Cardinals introduced 35-year-old bench coach Ali Marmol as their new manager. What were your impressions of that hire? Yeah, so as you said, I am not an expert by any means. I am truly a fan when it comes to this stuff. So been a Cardinals fan my entire life. If you want to follow me on Twitter and see the most annoying uh, Cardinals takes there, at Mike Steve Ritter, you can follow for for that. I usually just like to post videos of Tyler O'Neill saying good stuff. Uh, no, it's uh, it's an interesting move. I think. My initial thoughts are, okay, they, the front office got the guy that they wanted. They got, I don't want to say a puppet because this man has worked his entire life to get to this point and it's an awesome opportunity for him. But when they made the move, my initial thoughts are, okay, they have, they have the guy that will do what they tell him to do. Um, which I don't think is necessarily a bad thing because let's face it, they made the they made the postseason this year. As I put that in air quotes, I know some people like to go back and forth if the wild card game is really the postseason, but we'll call it the postseason for this. And I think a lot of had a lot of that had to do with the construction of the team, um, but also I think Schilt deserves some credit too. Like, yes, I understand that if they don't go on a seventeen game win streak, he's probably fired either way, but. I don't know. I, I think the Cardinals are just in a very interesting spot where I don't think they needed to blow things up and bring in somebody new. But at the same time, I think a fresh voice would have been good. I'll tell you the the number one name that I really wanted to see, and it's a former Cardinal, is Carlos Beltran. I think he is ready to be a major league manager. I understand the hesitation because of the Astros cheating thing, but as you have already found out, I don't really care about that and I'm pulling for the Astros. Uh, but no, that's, that's kind of where if, if they were going to go with an outside hire, uh, that's where I was leaning. But if I were to give a grade for the Alimar mall hire, I'd probably like a B plus a minus. Um, I don't expect too many things to change from this. I listened to the press conference today and I watched, it was over zoom for some reason. We're still doing that. Um, I thought Marmol aced it, knocked it out of the park, was really well composed, smooth, really collected and really intelligent guy. I think my first thought on this hire, and I've been marinating on it for a while, is it such a ballsy move by president of baseball operations, John Mosellock, to hire internally. This is his third hire for baseball manager for the Cardinals. And to go to your boss, Bill DeWitt, and say, yeah, no, we had the right guy here this entire time. It, it just wasn't that guy. It wasn't Mike Schilt. We had to fire him. Cardinals haven't hired outside their organization since 1996 when they got Larusa 25 years ago. And it's become such an insular thing. But how concerned are you or how much do you think 
John Mosaloc has stuck his neck out there to finally get this higher right. No, I, I think I don't think it's a stretch to say that this could be John Mosaloc's last last manager that he'll ever hire. Because if this doesn't work, he's probably done. And you know, I think there is real concern whenever you you know you say 1996. That's basically my entire life. It stayed within the family, and you know, there's 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 pros and cons to that, but. Um, you know, I sound like such a spoiled brat when I say it's been 10 plus years since we've won a World Series and we're going on 10 plus years since you've been to a World Series. And, you know, when are things going to change? We've it's been a lot of the same stuff. They've been kind of slow to get onto the analytics train. They've you know, I think this move kind of, you know, moves that forward. It seems like Ali Marmol, Jeff Albert, as bad as the offense was, he also deserves a lot of credit. They, it, they did turn it around towards the end of the year. And uh, those two guys have been kind of known as the, the the forward-facing faces of that kind of analytic movement within the coaching staff. So that's what the signals is. They're, they're going all in on that coming up this year. And uh, I don't know. We'll see what happens. It'll it'll be an interesting year for sure. Cardinals and Yankees fans both kind of in that spoiled character because the, <laughs> uh, they're not – it's not a drought necessarily, but you're getting to that 10, 12-year span. So – uh, We're annoying. You could say it, Luke. You've been dealing with us your entire life. We're, we are very, very annoying. <laughs> Bite your tongue. <laughs> with with Mosaloc saying that breaking ties with Schilt was due to philosophical differences, and that's what both sides have said. And usually that's, you know, gentlemen speak for one side, thought the other was a big dum-dum. And the he said today that we had internal issues we felt we could not resolve when it came to Mike Schilt. What should change for the Cardinals from a, from a clubhouse, from a leadership standpoint under Marmol? You know, I think that's interesting because I'm, I'm really curious where that relationship soured because I would assume like in any sport, your president of baseball operations is probably way too hands-on anyway uh, across the league. Um, so I, I, I've always kind of wondered because there were moments this summer where Schilt was very vocal about how he thought the construction of the team was hindering the team and would call him out and say like, listen, we have one good starting pitcher right now. I can't just pull up somebody from the, we can't just pull up somebody from the minor leagues and expect that. Why didn't we address this kind of in the off season kind of thing? And, I think that was a fair criticism. So, you know, I think Ali has to, I think he's really just got to trust his guys. This is a really good roster. And I, I, I do think that they're, they're a world series contender going into next year, if they can make the right moves, I think. And that goes to Mazalak and Hirsch and, and the rest of the front office. They need a shortstop. Paul DeYoung, as you know, from my tweeting is not a major league shortstop. He just isn't great bat. Every once in a while, he just. But, but he studied it. chemistry, Mike. Yeah, but he's so smart. He's so smart. He wanted to be a doctor. You know, I always like that's always one of those things that uh, where they do those national broadcasts. Like, here's something you might not know. Paul DeYoung uh, wanted to be a scientist. It's like I, he can't hit a curveball. So I don't know how that helps us at all. Uh, but yeah, I think addressing the shortstop, I, I, there, this is the best shortstop free agent class in a long, long time. And you need another starting pitcher, whether that's, you know, going for kind of middle of the rotation or, you know, going big and trying to go after a, a certain pitcher that's from the St. Louis area that might win Cy Young this year. Who knows? Um, but I think it's that relationship. You know, if this is going to be John Mosellock's way or the highway, then Ali's got to listen to him. But he's also got to get the best out of his players. And 
every player on that team has spoken very highly of Ali, which is really good to hear. It seems like he's a player's coach, uh, but it'll be on him to kind of balance that of, Hey, this is what the front office wants to do. I know you think this, but we want to win. And this is our, this is how we think is our best chance to win. You alluded to uh, Max Scherzer, Chesterfield, Missouri native, just uh, grew up in the neighborhood next to mine. One last thing, this is, this is off-topic, um, football-related uh, report from Brett McMurphy, whichever network he's at these days, the Action Network, I believe, says that uh, the University of Southern California is considering uh, former St. Louis Rams legend and USC alum Jeff Fisher for its head coaching position. Michael, why do the Trojans want to lose? <laughs> I think you uh, put the nail on the head right there. They, 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 I guess there's uh, we can't make seven and nine jokes anymore, or eight and eight jokes because the NFL schedule is bigger now. So what would that be in college? Six and six. That's what they want to go. I, that's just they're in a really weird spot. USC, like I, you and I are both big college football fans. They, I've seen some names. I saw a Mike Tomlin report today, which I love Mike Tomlin. I think he's a top tier NFL head coach, but I think they got to realize a college coach is just so much different than an NFL coach because you are a recruiter first and then a coach. I don't think, do you see Mike Tomlin going to people's houses in Southern California and saying, Hey, come play here. I don't know. That's just, it's very interesting. But yeah, uh, if they want to lose hire Jeff Fisher, uh, maybe they'll, maybe they'll uh, move out of, of Southern California too. He seems like to be the coach for uh, leaving relocation. I don't know. I, I'm just blabbering now. I just don't like Jeff Fisher. Who's the betting favorite for the Trojans coach right now? That is a good question. I would assume, you know, the name that I always have seen, and it kind of makes sense, is Mario Cristobal. Um, I I have not checked what the betting. I, I don't even know if any um, legal. I think it would be, all be offshore. But if I had to bet on someone, I would do Cristobal because he has recruited the hell out of Southern California. And he's proven that he can be a very good recruiter. And I think, you know, but that's that's kind of what's interesting about USC is they have had good recruiters. They haven't had good coaches. They get the best talent and they haven't been able to coach that up. I think that's very similar to what we've seen at Texas. They're getting good talent, but they haven't been able to elevate that talent. And I think that's an issue at a, at a couple of those big schools. I mean, you can argue Michigan with that, though. Michigan's having a terrific year this year. I didn't see that coming. Um, but yeah, I, I'll go Cristobal as, as my pick at USC. Michael, where can people find your stuff? <laughs> uh, so, again, working at BR Betting, do a few videos and stuff like that, but more behind the scenes than anything. But if you ever see any uh, any uh, BR Betting tweets or Instagram posts freaking out about how bad Mizzou is against the spread, that's probably me posting that. Uh, but personal stuff is at Mike Steve Ritter. Uh, if you, again, want to follow for crazy Cardinal takes or freaking out on Saturdays about Mizzou football or also a Raiders fan. Uh, we're five and two, by the way. Uh, don't have a head coach, but I guess we're just going to let it fly. <laughs> but yeah. Sounds like a great time. Michael, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for joining Raw Tools. Awesome. Thank you so much, Luke. Uh, my next guest I've known for about a year. I met her when she was a sports anchor and reporter at WCJB in Gainesville, Florida. She covered the University of Florida Gators football team and all their other sports at that great university. And this year, she made a 101 market jump from market 160 to market 59. She now works in Little Rock, Arkansas for THV 11 as a sports anchor and reporter. She is a talented journalist who now covers the University of Arkansas everything, football, basketball, and everything in between. It is Sierra Clark. Sierra, welcome to Raw Tools. How are you? 
Good. How are you? Glad to be here. This is great. I'm glad we're doing this again, making this a, a regular thing. We, we talked last year before OU and Florida played in the Cotton Bowl, and it seems like everything's been going great for you since then. Yeah, just started this new job in August, so right before football season hit, uh, before high school and college, so definitely learning my way around the city for sure and learning the different names of the high schools. I've gotten a little bit better of knowing how to pronounce certain things, especially it's interesting regionally when you move, people pronounce things a little bit differently, so you have to adjust to that as well. So it's it's pretty, it's been it's been interesting learning everything here. You grew up in Florida. Had you ever lived this far west to the Midwest before? Uh, so I was born in Cincinnati, Ohio, and then I moved to Florida when I was three, Orlando, and then I went to college in Gainesville. So I've been in the central Florida area my whole life. My mom lived in Arizona for a little bit, so I went to visit her, but I didn't like actually live there, but I've never lived in this part of the country before. Arkansas Razorbacks football team just played a game in Little Rock. They beat Pine Bluff, blew the doors off them, and FCS team 45-3. Arkansas doesn't feel like a, a last place team, even though that's what they are right now. It's been a really streaky season. They win four. They're ranked eighth in the nation. Then they lose three conference games. They've got a bye week coming up. What is the focus, or what should the focus be on for the rest of the year? Coach Pittman was saying that we've got a beat-up football team. He said it several times in his presser after they lost Auburn. We're just beat up. We're just beat up. We're just beat up. They've played some tough teams. Uh, they obviously had good showings. That win over Texas was the one that put the Razorbacks on the map this year. Uh, so they have Jalen Catalan out, the defensive back, shoulder surgery, and other top guys have had some nagging injuries. So he's just he's been very excited, it seems, to get this bye week in the books and then they can prepare for the rest of the SEC West schedule. They just came off a win over UAPB, like you said, and it was a 45-3 to win, so a big one there. But the Hogs were able to put in some of their uh, second-string, third-string players to get, them, to get some reps in for those guys, which was important. Uh, this game, even though the score was obviously a beatdown, it meant more than football to fans in Arkansas because – it was his first time in 77 years that the Razorbacks have played an in-state team. So um, it's been something for a while that coaches in the past have been like, no, we don't want to play these other Arkansas schools because uh, we don't really gain anything from it, especially if they were to lose. And Arkansas in the past few years has not been that good. So, um, the, so it's been kind of like, oh, we don't need to play that. But then this, so this year they played UAPB, and then in 2024, they're playing UAPB again. But then in 2025, they'll be playing um, Arkansas State, which it's uh, FBS school. And everybody in Arkansas, something I've been learning is everybody in the state is a Razorback fan. Uh, so with some people going to Arkansas State, but still being Razorback fans. And then Arkansas State this year, they have uh, Butch Jones as their head coach but uh, <laughs> from Tennessee. But he's this is, this is his first year, but they haven't been doing too well. But in the past, I've heard that Arkansas State would have beaten the Razorbacks since the Razorbacks have been so bad. So um, I like that they're embracing in-state foes for sure. 
Yeah, those years where Blake Anderson was the coach at Arkansas State, you think they probably would have held their own when, when Bielema was coaching and, and when Chad Morris was coaching. So that's that's an interesting interesting thought. You said the first time in 77 years? Yeah, yeah. It's, they've always been against it. And coming from Florida, I found that so weird because, well, University of Florida plays Florida State every year, big rivals, even though I don't see them as big rivals because it's ACC, SEC. Um, and then we usually play – USF or FAU every several, two, three years. Uh, they're all D1 schools, so um, it's always a blowout, but still, it's still playing the in-state team. So people did like that the Razorbacks were able to play an in-state team, UAPB, Pine Bluff. It's about 40 minutes south of Little Rock, so a lot of it was a close trek for them as well. Um, and it was really cool to see all the fans kind of get together because um, a lot of people, again, everyone is deep down really a Razorback fan here. I covered University of Tennessee football for three seasons, and, and Butch Jones definitely, even his post-coaching career, has kind of a cult following from Tennessee fans who just either want to see him do well, but most of them don't. They just want to see the antics happen. But do you do you pay attention at all to Arkansas State or what goes down there in Jonesboro? A little bit, yeah. I, I, they're one and six. They haven't been doing too well this year. And I was I thought they would do better, especially they have uh, Blaine Hatcher, their quarterback, who's actually from Little Rock. He started – well, his career started at Alabama, and then he transferred to A-State. And then their quarterback now went to Florida State, James Blackman. Um, so I thought that maybe he would have, I don't know, helped them out a little bit more. But I, it's it doesn't look good. I mean, it's a rebuilding year, they're saying. So that's what – that's what uh, – Butch Jones, as you know, he's very, we're about culture, we're this, this, this. So that's what he's been saying as pressers. <laughs> One thing some coaches do, and Butch, I think, does this as well, is he, the first year you, you tear everything down to the studs. I think that's what happened with him at Cincinnati and Central Michigan and even Tennessee. And then the next couple of years you see that pay off. But yeah, that'll be interesting to see. Have you been up to the stadium up there in Fayetteville yet? I have. I was at the Texas game. That was my first one. Yeah. <sighs> Yeah, that was crazy because I was like, whoa, everyone's storming the field. <laughs> <laughs> and then I went to um, the game in Dallas or Arlington when they played A&M, and that was pretty cool too. Yeah, how would you compare those two experiences between between home field and then uh, Jerry World? It's interesting being here learning about Razorback fans and what they like and what they don't like. And so I, they – from what I've heard from some of them, they're not really fans of playing in Arlington, even though Jerry Jones is a big time Razorback alum, big time donor. <laughs> um, and, you know, because last year they played AM in College Station because of COVID, the SEC schedule was only allowing teams to play at their home site. It's only SEC teams. So they played Texas AM. And then now this year they played in Arlington, which is their normal site. But Coach Pittman and even some fans were saying, okay, well, we should get the next one in Fayetteville. Um, but there was nope, the contract, I guess, said had to be in Arlington. So people really love the home crowd. And Fayetteville really is just a beautiful stadium. It's a beautiful city. There's lots of mountains. Um, I would imagine it gets really nice weather during the fall. I'm from Florida, like I said a million times. So I'm not used to the fall. <laughs> Switching gears to men's basketball, they made that Elite Eight run last season. Looks like they're gearing up for a special season. Picked third in the, the preseason SEC poll. What are your expectations for the Hogs team? I think they'll go pretty good this year. I mean, they did 
I have a close one in an exhibition game to East Central University. I was following the scores a little bit. I was a little bit nervous with that, but they ended up pulling up the win. Um, so definitely everyone's really excited for this Razorback basketball team. Um, they have some also two recruits coming in next year, five stars. So Coach Muss has really been um, hounding that recruiting trail for sure. Um, and he's such a funny guy on social media. Like he came in, like he was at a presser and their first uh, scrimmage was sponsored by Reese's. He came in wearing a Reese's shirt. Um, he was like, I was going to hand out Reese's to the media, but then I found out that it was over Zoom. <laughs> and then the game against Auburn for football, he, he, he went up to Sonic. I'm also finding out Sonic is really huge here. Um, Sonic and bought like over a thousand burritos or maybe 500, a bunch of burritos, breakfast burritos, and was handing them out to his student body before the football game because it was an early game. So he's, he's really fun. And I'm excited to kind of see how they uh, do this year. It's a lot of expectations for sure. Fans are excited. If you're ever so fortunate to visit the great state of Oklahoma, you will find that in Tulsa and Oklahoma City in particular, there's a Sonic on every block just about. It's, it is huge here. And, and yeah, yeah. They, they, they lost Jalen Tate, Moses Moody to, to the NBA. How are they going to, I don't want to say replicate, but fill in some of that production from, from a team that made such a great run a season ago? I think their confidence, they have a lot of uh, – grad transfers as well from they he not only worked the recruiting trail but also the transfer portal there are some transfers from Miami um mainly uh some power five schools so I think a little bit of experience um that that the guys who have played big time basketball before can they can kind of lean on that and that can help them push forward this season as well Arkansas is one of those programs where you can win big with the men's program, but also the women's as well. They've made a final four before pick sixth in their preseason poll kind of in the similar vein. What are you expecting out of that team that has lost, you know, WNBA worthy talent uh, this past season? I think again, like the Razorback program as a whole athletics, I've noticed how, how big everything is, how Hunter Juracek, the athletic director, has really put an emphasis on every single sport. And I think they're, they're going to bounce back and do the same thing as well. Um, the women's team is also, I think it's pretty overlooked. And I think they have a great chance to make it to the lead eight or even further this year, really. Sierra, what are you working on right now? Projects, anything special that you're into? Yeah, so um, lots of high school football for sure. Uh, also, since it's, it's interesting because... We cover the Razorbacks a lot, but Fayetteville's two and a half, three hours for me. So we don't go there too often. Like sometimes, I shouldn't say too often, but maybe sometimes we'll send a, uh, one of us will go up. It's a two-person department. So one of us will go up maybe, and then another will go up. And then if it's a really big game, we'll both go. Um, so it's interesting when I'm like there in person, I'm like, oh, that's what Coach Pittman looks like in person. Um, but cause since we're in little rock, we cover a lot of, lots of high school. And then, um, there's also university of Arkansas at little rock. So, um, I noticed in Arkansas, there's a lot of UA LR, UA Fort Smith, UA. So UA LR, it's a D one school, um, really good in men's and women's basketball. And then UCA university of central Arkansas, they also have a football team as well. Um, so just learning about these other schools and giving them some coverage as well is pretty, it's pretty fun because they really appreciate it. 
That's great. Uh, where can people find your work? Check out your stuff. Yeah. Uh, on Twitter, I am Sierra Clark, C-I-E-R-A, last name Clark, C-L-A-R-K with underscore. Um, and YouTube, you could probably just look up my name, but I'm mostly on Twitter. Perfect. Sounds great. Sierra, thank you so much for joining Raw Tools. Thank you. And that was the podcast. Thank you so much to Sierra Clark for coming on. Michael Ritter showing up on short notice, filling in last minute. Special thanks as always to Tyler Jones for making this happen. Be sure to hit the like and subscribe button. Leave a comment if you want. We'll see you next week on Raw Tools.